So, what we want to do this morning is to do something that is uh, obviously a little different. Uh, we've got a panel of our Sunday school teachers and some of the students, and we just thought it'd be cool for you to get to know kind of what's going on and how important this aspect is to us. Um, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, I was thinking of this when Joel was talking in the first service, and I don't, I don't mean this in the sense of we're any different, because I'm, I'm not trying to say that, but I just want to say about what we're trying to do here is that we've never been a church, and, and this is by choice, that is high-powered programs, um, and uh, what, and you'll excuse me if this vernacular is, I'm not trying to be offensive, but, you know, sexy worship, sexy ministry. It's just meat and potatoes, uh, and really trying to concentrate on the Word of God so that when people have experienced ministry at Christ Community Church, they not only know their Bible, but they are confronted in relationship. And sometimes people don't want that. I mean, honestly, they don't want that. They don't want the Bible bearing upon them with social issues. They don't want the Bible bearing upon them with money or whatever. And they would just prefer to be anonymous. And that's fine. We've got plenty of options for that out there. Uh, but that's not us. And so one of the things we're really trying to do is to move people in terms of their thinking and perspective with the Bible and to move them in relationship, to uh, really come in contact of, you know, serious relationships. So Sunday school is one of the ways that uh, we try to do that. So without taking any more time, because I know we could probably take two hours here by the time that we took in the first service, we just kind of ran out of time. Um, I want to hear from the kids first. It's kind of what you like about Sunday school, and uh, we've got several of them up here, and I think... Uh, Nick, did you want to ask these boys? And Laura, are you going to talk, talk to these girls? Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, so first off, my name is Nick. This is my wife, Carrie. And we uh, teach the fourth and fifth grade class. And we re regularly are, schedule ourselves for about three out of four weeks uh, in a given month. Um, so up here are two of my buddies. <laughs> this is Nolan. And this is Alex. And these guys, we, Carrie and I had the privilege of having these two guys in our class this last year. And uh, sadly, um, in, in some respects, these guys uh, aren't, aren't going to be with us this year because they're, they've moved up into the middle school. Um, but we have a couple of questions for them. And we, want, we just want you to hear from their hearts and, um, and just get some feedback from them. But we learned from the first service that the best question to ask very first is this one. We'll let Ms. Carrie ask it. Yeah, this is very the very best one. Um, what is your favorite Clone War character? <laughs> <laughs> Captain Rex. Captain Rex. Captain Rex. Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah, they're the same. Okay. Mine is Ahsoka Tano and Captain Rex. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll just start with a, a little story that um, we shared for service, but but basically when Nick and I first got married, we started off um, at a, as a youth minister um, and wife team, and we um, we had kids in our in our group that were learning to play the guitar, and so Nick, the very first time he decided to pick up a guitar, that was the very first time, and he taught himself how to play alongside with them. 
And so they, you know, developed a bond because of this musical bond. And so uh, same with these started out where that's some stuff that they always talk about. And so Nick's like, I think I probably need to check this out. This, you know, Clone Wars, and it's morphed into what's the next one? Well, it's, I'm sorry. It's, it's the Star Wars. You know, yes, theme, right? these it's are like the cartoons. These are cartoons, and they they're probably 80, 85 episodes or something like. That. It's a big commitment, and but he's like he's like you know what I got a bone with the kids, so I got. But then I go in, and he's like watching episode after episode, and he just I don't. It's just for the children. So, Here, we know so you, anyway, we know your class knows about Star Wars. You ever mentioned Jesus? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This was just the initial bond. You do speak about Jesus, but anyway, it's cool. That that's that's just the initial, you know, something we do share as well. But that's yes, nice. you know, and and actually, it is amazing though because sometimes in our lessons, we can actually bring stuff that we even pull upon from certain episodes. Right? We talk about certain dilemmas, whether it's moral dilemmas or whatnot. We we, we can actually draw it in, so it's kind of neat how God works that way. But guys, we want to ask you a couple of questions. So this last year, what what were some of the most memorable things, you know, from just being in the Sunday school class? What are the things that, that you remember that stood out to you? Um, singing and reading the Bible and doing our lessons. Is there any particular lesson or, or a Bible story that we did that, that really um, got uh, your attention? Joseph. Joseph, yes. That was an awesome one. Right? Yeah, a lot of times, at least for Carrie and I, some of the, the, we get such a good connection with the kids and just the, the, the going through a narrative, like in the Bible, talking like whether it's Joseph or Daniel, and just really just reading through it, combing through it, mining it for just all of those little details, and then asking the kids questions along the way. And even though it's an ancient culture, it's something that maybe is quite different from our culture letting them talk about those relational aspects of like Joseph and his dad and his brothers, right? Talking about these things and pulling them out. And it's just really neat to get to see us just dive deep. And so it's, it's good for us to hear that those are the, some of the things that, that, that stand out to him. What about you, Nolan? Um, I really like music, and I really like when we're reading the Bible and then we'll sometimes take breaks and we'll just talk about what we're reading, and that's really fun for me. Awesome. Awesome. Both of the guys mentioned music. So one of the things that we did a little bit different this year, I went to Laura and I asked her, because we do music for all of the kids. We have just about 15 minutes worship time. It's a, it's a little bit geared more toward the younger kids. So I went to Laura and Carrie and I having a musical background. We asked her if she had a problem with us you know, just doing worship in our own class. And we would start doing some things that were just kind of moving the kids, you know, more, you know, to a more mature. Just growing up with, 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 with the types of songs we sing, not so much the clapping and the bouncing up and down and doing the things of that nature, but really just trying to prepare them for youth, for, for going on into youth. And so we started doing that. We started, we just took a, a cajon and a, a guitar, and we'd go in there and we'd start doing some of our own songs. And what is one of your guys' favorite songs that we learned? Secret Place. So tell us a little bit about that song. What does the song mean? What does that mean? Um, 
what it means to me is where everybody has this basically place where they can be alone, talk to God, and just kind of grow a stronger relationship with Him. Mm. Oh, man. It's probably Carrie and I's favorite song, too. So. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's Alex's, too. It's, fa- it's funny, early on, I one day I'd sent a link to some of these guys' parents, some of the kids' parents, and said, hey, when you get a chance, play this song and see if the kids say anything. And they both texted me. I think Derek and Joel both were like, they just went nuts when we played the song <laughs> because they recognized it. That's yeah, cool. Immediately. I don't even know if I had heard it. So then when I was playing it, and I was like, have you heard this before, Alex? Said, I know this song. This is the song that Mr. Nick <laughs> class. Laura, how about you and these girls here? Hey, um, my name is Laura Key. I'm the children's director in the um, children's wing. We do nursery through fifth grade. Yeah, we do it both service hours. So what we have here are two little cherub sisters. We have Piper and Kennedy, and their last name is Barrett. And they have been, I thought it'd be kind of cool to get their idea of what they like about Sunday school, because they haven't even been here that long, have you? Maybe about a year? Okay. Piper, do you, do you like going to Sunday school? When your mama says, hey, we're going to Sunday school today, do you like that idea? What, what do you like? I like about it is we get to learn about Jesus. You like that? Does your teacher teach you every week something, a story about Jesus? Uh-huh. Yeah. Kennedy, what do you like? I like learning about Jesus, too. You do? Well, you know, your mom has taught you and your daddy's taught you to love that, and then you get to come here and just, just hear some more, don't you? Do you like your teachers? Do you have the same teacher every week? Uh-huh. You know? But someday, I have to change my teacher. Yes. (laughs) Did you move up to a new class? Did she move up? Not today. Okay. No. No. Okay. Do you like, do you have the same teacher every week? First service, there's the same teacher. Second service, there's a different teacher every week. Do you, do you like having the same teacher? Or do you like changing? I like changing. You do? Okay. You got anything else you want to say? Well, we sure love having you. I love seeing them come down the hall, and they always have a hug for me. Mm-hmm. I love you guys. <laughs> Thank you, girls. Thank you, boys. We really appreciate it. Did you want to go ahead and dismiss them now, or did you want to stay yeah, here? Um, you got, I think they all are going to a new class today. They've leveled up. So Thanks, guys. Way to go. Okay. So when I, uh, when I grew up as a young boy, I lived right outside of Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, our family was very much a s- sports family. We loved watching sports. My brother and I played Little League Baseball and all that. But uh, the Cleveland Browns were my favorite football team, and uh, their big rival was the Steelers. And every Sunday, we would come home, we would watch football. My mom would make her pot roast, and we would watch uh, whatever game was on, if we could watch the Browns, that would be awesome. Um, but one of the teams, when I was a teenager, that was very famous, was in 1972, the Miami Dolphins. They were the only undefeated team from all the regular season and playoffs, and they won the Super Bowl. And they were very famous for their offense. They had a quarterback, Bob Greasy. 
Uh, old timers can remember this. Uh, they had the first two guys that ran for 1,000 yards for the season, Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris. And now it's been done two or three times since then, but that was the first time it had ever been done. Uh, they had a wide receiver named Paul Warfield, who actually came from the Browns. He was my favorite player. They were so fun to watch. But they also had a good defense. In fact, uh, people that follow the NFL, you hear the saying that you can't win a championship without a good what? Without a good defense. And they were really good. But hardly anybody knew them because the offense was so good and these guys were so popular. In fact, Tom Landry, uh, he's now dead, but a former coach is with the Dallas Cowboys, first called the Miami Dolphin defense the no-name defense. No name, because nobody could remember them because the offense was, uh, got all the publicity. That makes me think a lot about church, that you have no-name ministry sometimes, or no-name people that are involved, but really, God knows their name. And they are doing a very important work. And when I think of the success of CCC, I think of people in the background that may not be on the stage all the time, but without them, we simply couldn't do what we do. And you're seeing some of them on the stage right here. Uh, These are some of our Sunday school teachers that we thought it'd be a good opportunity for you to kind of hear from them Uh, to learn more about what is happening in Sunday school, and maybe if God so leads, realize, you know what? I would love to be a part of something like that. And so first thing I'm going to do is we'll start on this end. Teresa, we'll start with you. Introduce yourselves. Tell us briefly about yourselves, and then we'll uh, start a discussion, okay? My name's Teresa Gibfried, and this is my husband, Jack. And we got married in December, moved to Springfield from Rolla, and started attending CCC in January, and then we got plugged into Sunday school probably in February or March. Yep. Uh, I'm Andy Compton. This is my wife, Peggy. And I think last service I introduced her from the, from the classroom standpoint as Batman and I'm Robin. But I think right now I prefer um, Oh. Yeah, Matt Dillon and Festus maybe for this hour. In other words, she, she takes the lead in the class. Now, you realize that there's only about 10 people that understood what you just said. Hey, they laughed at Right, that. they did laugh, right. <laughs> that was from Gunsmoke, an old Western, so. Yeah, and I'm Joel Butler. I'm actually not a Sunday school teacher of the youth. I have a, an adult Sunday school class, but just up here to to support these folks. I'm just super thankful for their efforts. And we're going to talk a little bit later about the scriptural precedence for this type of ministry and the, the outreach to our youth and the kids and the next generation. So yeah, my, my wife actually is back with the 18 month olds now, Chris, many of you know her, but, uh, yeah, just glad to be up here and, and be able to support these folks and anyone else that uh, the Lord, you know, moves to, to endeavor to help with these kids that we have coming through our doors. So very glad to be here. And Joel also serves part-time as an associate pastor here. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Kevin, for mentioning that. I came on board uh, last December, so yeah, associate pastor here and alongside Kevin. He's a great, great mentor to look up to from a pastoral perspective. 20 bucks afterwards, all right. (laughs) Go ahead. 
Do you already? All right. We had introduction issues during both services, guys. <laughs> Just FYI, I had in, I had introduced the two boys that we had, and then Kevin said, "Aren't you going to introduce them first? <laughs> so, yeah. Carry What's your on. name again? <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Laura, um, we didn't. You introduced yourself, but Laura's kind of our queen bee of our Sunday school, and uh, everything rotates around uh, her leadership. She does a wonderful job. So uh, I think, what, about 15 years you've done this job? We kind of calculated that first Something time. Something like too. that, yeah, okay, all right. All right, let me ask you guys a question. Uh, it's not uncommon, I'm, you know, Laura, uh, and by the way, I should say this, that this is our largest volunteer ministry, Sunday School. And for some reason, God has constantly given us the, um, a good number of children so that churches, literally two or three times our size, don't have as many kids in the Sunday school as what we have. And so for whatever reason, God has, has always blessed us with a lot of young families and a lot of kids. So you have a lot to manage, and that means a lot of volunteers that sometimes has come to like over a hundred volunteers just for that one ministry that she's had to manage. Um, and that means you get a lot of no's. You get a lot of people saying for whatever reason, and it could be valid reasons, uh, don't do it. So what I want to ask from you guys is, what were some of the objections that you might have thought of to teach or maybe a hesitation before you came on to teach. What were some roadblocks for you initially? Well, like I said last service, I teach all week long and deal with, you know, kids and everything. So my first hesitation was, do I really want to have to prepare another lesson and be with kids then on the weekends as well? So for me, it was that. Um, I originally started with just one week a month, and then we moved to two weeks a month, and now we're teaching almost every Sunday um, during first service because it. I've learned what my hesitation was, was thinking I was going to be too busy and not be able to do it, but it all kind of builds on one another. Um, everything's laid out. Laura has the plans. There's boxes there. The, there there's a room with, with supplies, so it's very easy to pull things together, and the lessons come, come together very quickly. And then once we step into the room and we see the kids' faces, it's all worth it. So my hesitation at first was busyness, and it just worked into even, I even made myself even more busy, but it's been a blessing. So I've, I've loved it. Anybody else hesitation? I would say hesitations for me is just the normal, you know. I mean, how it worked out was Teresa asked me if I wanted to help, and she wanted to do it. And, and um, so kind of the same boat as you guys. And, um, you know, initial hesitation is just, you know, like she said, time. You know, and just the commitment, you know, of doing something, putting yourself out there and teaching, too. I mean, that's kind of a, a weighty thing it can be. And, um, and so, but really, it's awesome. It's, you know, I think nothing of it. It's a lot of fun. So, Jack and Teresa, one thing I appreciate about you, I mean, I saw you here at our VBS. You guys were teaching there as well and helping out. And you um, jumped into Sunday school. And you guys have been coming for how long? About eight, seven months. Okay. Give or take. Which is, you know, pretty, um, uh, I love that you're doing that, but what has been some of the benefit for you being kind of a newbie 
of getting involved at that kind of a level. Have you seen any benefit to it? Yeah, the benefits are definitely, you kind of put some roots in. Um, you know, like we we had just moved here. We moved here in um, really January and then got plugged in here about a week later. Um, and so um, the benefits are definitely get, putting some roots down. You know, you, you kind of get to know people. You work, you know people you're serving with. One of the first people we really, you know, met was Laura. I mean, we, you know, because she she's over all of that. And so, um, you know, and you kind of, when you're working with people, you know, it kind of helps with that. So when you're working with VBS or whatever, you meet all kinds of people, you know. Um, and so definitely for us as new people to Springfield, you know, it helps us to put some roots in and kind of feel, you know, like we belong, like we're actually working with people here. You know, we're not just attending and then going home, but we're actually, you know, we have a place. And, you know, we really enjoy that. And really with anything with service, you know, there's a lot of joy that comes out of that and so you know it's you know, you, you feel you know it's just joy in being a part of things so it's yeah cool cool anybody else on a hesitation roadblock so let me ask you this what do you think makes a good Sunday school teacher I was just gonna say um Someone who really likes kids, like actually likes kids, and has, <laughs> which is funny because it actually doesn't didn't come naturally to me because I was the youngest in my family, so I wasn't around like children very much. And um, but just jumping in, which is funny, because I'm doing elementary education too, so it's. <laughs> but um, God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> but I love kids now, and the way you learn to love kids is just being around kids and just being authentic with them, and I think mm -hmm. that's what makes a good Sunday school teacher is if you can be authentic and just be yourself, like those are the teachers that I remember. Well, this just happened just a few minutes ago. And so um, when I took the kids back into class, um, I sh was showing this little clip, and it was actually on spiritual gifts, and we were talk we've been talking about that the last two weeks. And one of the, there was a scripture in there, and it mentioned the word salvation. So the little girl said, oh, I've heard that word before. And so we teach second and third grade. And um, so anyway, so I stopped. You know, the video wasn't in important anymore, but the word salvation was. So she said, I said, does anybody know what salvation is? You've all heard that word, and they all agreed they had heard it, but they, none of them knew what it meant. So I got to sit there and explain what salvation meant. Didn't have anything to do with the lesson, but yet what an important thing. So maybe finding those teachable moments when you realize that kids don't understand something and be able to explain it in ways that they can understand it. And then you see it in their heart and their eyes and then it's a good teachable moment. So maybe seeing and recognizing those. Very good, very cool. What's your name? Uh, I would say that, um, you know, just being committed makes a good Sunday school teacher. You know, you, you don't have to be in the, as, as Kevin put it, the Sunday School Hall of Fame because you're an amazing teacher that you're gifted in that area. But as I shared in the first service, um, I remember my Sunday School teacher. I can't remember what I had for breakfast two days ago, but I remember that my Sunday School, his name was Larry Enlow. And I even remember details about him because he was an electrician by trade and he had these rough, these huge, rough, cracked hands from working manually. I remember when we'd all take hands, whenever we'd hold hands and we'd pray. I remember that. And I, and I remember, you know, I, 
I don't remember every, you know a particular lesson that he may have taught or you know a particular principle or something but, but I do remember this he loved the Lord and he esteemed the Bible God's word and he taught us to do the same and he did what he had but it was but it was it was how he made us feel it was, it was that connection that bond and knowing that we were important but he was there every week I was there and so I knew him I, I did I had that connection so part of that it's just it's it's being committed it's just you know saying you know if it's if it's three weeks if it's if you can do four that's great if it's two whatever you can do but but consistently being there you know connecting with the kids although we joked about you know clone wars earlier you know make no bones what we do here we don't want to just make kids you know have fun we don't care about having a petting zoo and having Xbox going so that they enjoy what they're doing here. That's not what we're about. We want them, and as Joel will get into it, Kevin, a little bit later, it's foundational, it's critical. And what we do, like Peggy's alluded to, it's educational. When we actually are here one Sunday and we're given a lesson, when we show up the next Sunday, we're reviewing the lesson that we had last week. We're remembering the principles. We're wanting our kids to learn how to think. So that early on, while we can, it's more formative instead of reformative. And that's an important point, you know. That's kind of the direction that we want to go as a body. Because we have a culture that, as, as, as Joel's alluded to, Kevin, it's getting darker and darker and harder and harder, you know, to, to help kids know what truth is and that it corresponds to reality and that the Bible is truth, that Christ is truth. And so... I forget what the question even was. What makes a good Sunday school teacher? Commitment. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, that's good. That's good. Well, and I think related to that, and I'm glad you got the mic now, because I think I'd, I'd like for you to address this. Well, uh, I, I've seen a lot of teachers in 15 years, a lot. And I would say what makes a great teacher is what you just see here is because Nick can't even tell you, he didn't even say that Larry was a great teacher. He just said Larry was available, um, committed, and intentional. You know, just the, just the idea that he would take the children's, the kids' hands and pray with them. And, and so I think a lot of times people, when I, I approach you and I say, can you be in nursery? Can you love on the children? Can you teach? People think, well, I'm not a teacher. You know, I'm not, I'm not gifted. And that just isn't one of my giftings. But, you know, you're sharing Christ is in you and he's living in you and it's joyful and it's spirit filled. And you're called to share that possibly with children who are so receptive to it and being available and being just like Peggy said, you know, stopping You're, you're just uh, sensitive, sensitive to what they're presenting and bringing to you. So anyway, that's, that's what a true great teacher I've mentioned that we've had about 100 volunteers at one time before, and we're kind of making a philosophy shift in that. Can you address that for a second? Well, a couple of years ago, the leadership here came to me and said, Laura, what if we, because it's, this is sort of who we are, we want to be um, connected. That we're, not, we're not song and dance. We're not a lot of events. I mean, we do have events, and we do them well, and we have great time at our events, but we are out to connect with people. 
And they said, how about we make it start this with Sunday school by switching from doing this rotational once a month thing in nursery and Sunday school and let's see what we can do putting teachers in a classroom on a repeated basis. And I, I about fell over thinking I didn't know how we were going to make that switch. But they've prayed. We've all prayed. COVID hit. Um, what you see here is six teachers that have agreed to that. Now, I, we are nowhere fully, fully vested in being um, where we'd like to be. Uh, and we take people exactly where they are. Not, a, not everybody can. I hear a lot of teachers say, I want to do that. I just can't due to the logistics in the family, just the busyness of, of our culture and family. Um, and those teachers that do come once maybe or twice a month, they, they pour in and they invest in an amazing way too. So that's, that's not to negate anything those others do. But this, this is our ultimate goal. So, um, so what you're seeing here is a, six, three teams of teachers that do this on a three to four times a month basis. A part of that is to increase the chance of that connectedness. It does. To deepen oh, those relationships. Yes. And it, I think they'll attest to it. You'll hear more of this. But it's not just for the kiddos. It does it for them, for you guys too. Has anything surprised you about being a Sunday school teacher? Just how much they know. <laughs> they, they really are smart. They come into the room and they have such a knowledge. Um, I didn't become a Christian until I was 21 years old when I met Andy and he invited me to go to church for the first time. So I wasn't raised in church. And to see these little ones come in and have such a great foundation that you can build upon. Um, you know, sometimes we get kids in that that haven't been to church before and then what a great opportunity for them to be around other kids that 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 do know about Jesus, but, and then be able to teach them. But they, they know a lot more than you really think that they do, and they remember the stories, and we remember maybe a detail that sometimes when we're going over a story, and they'll, they'll bring something up. And so that, that's amazing to me, that how much these kids have learned and come in and share with us. Anything else that surprised you about teaching? Yeah, I would say, kind of to add on to that, it's, you know, the, the kind of crucial time frame that kids are in coming through Sunday school is they're, you know, they're putting together, you know, really their, their perspective on, you know, life, God, I mean, just, just everything, you know, the world, the way to look at things, kind of the lens, you know, and we're helping to, you know, along with their parents and everybody to just show them the lens of looking through things through the lens of Christ. Um, and so... The kind of questions you'll get from these kids, you can tell their brains are going, even though they're, you know, they might be, you know, might lose them in 15 seconds, they might get distracted, <laughs> you know, it's still crucial, and it's really cool. I mean, I have four younger siblings, and I still didn't quite grasp what kind of, what's going on as you're growing up until, you know, being a Sunday school teacher for, you know, four and five-year-olds is just there's a lot going on, you know, and so it's really cool to be a part of that forming of your perspective of things because I think a lot of, you know, a really important thing is just to be able to see things through Christ, and so we kind of get to help with, with that. So that's pretty cool. I'll add to that real quick, too. Um, you know, uh, as far as what's surprising, you know, about being, you know, a Sunday school teacher or 
what's not a surprise is that there will be fruit, right? I mean, most of us know that there, there's fruit associated with any ministry. I've experienced, you know, the fruit of every ministry that I've ever been a part of or served in. But what is surprising to me is the form that that fruit comes in sometimes. And, and you don't realize, you know, what's happening. And I'll, I'll just give you a couple of examples. Um, at the end of the service, or at the end of, you know, class when service lets out, and you as parents, you know, come to get your kids. And whenever a single mom might come to pick up their kid, and the carrier, I tell them, just wanted you to know that your kid was amazing today in class. And seeing, you know, uh, just this emotion just overcome them, you know, because wondering if they're doing things right, you know, if God's involved in their lives at all. That, that is, is, is a fruit, I think, that comes from serving in that way. And, and we don't hand those out. We don't hand those compliments out. We're quiet if that's not the case, if the kids aren't that way. So when we say it, we mean it. You know, another example is, as we alluded to earlier, um, we're trying to teach these kids, you know, more about music and worship. You know, the way that we worship God with music. And even taking them to that next level, like teaching them songs that are deeper. Teaching them even in a, just a small moment where we're telling them, guys, okay, this, these are the words to the song we're getting ready to sing. These words matter. It's important so that they know as they're growing up that the songs we sing in worship, that they align with what God's word says, that they're important. And then proceeding to sing a song. And for the example I'm going to give is this last Easter, around that time frame, we taught these kids to sing Man of Sorrows. And whenever you see a fourth or fifth grader singing that song, and you've just talked to them about you know, contemplating what that song means, and you see a tear come down their eye, and you know that they got it, they understood that that is a, a, a fruit. That's a form of fruit that I wasn't expecting. But, it, but it's things like that. It's the unexpected form that that fruit will come in sometimes. And it could be anything. Did you have anything? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, and maybe that brings up the next question is, do you have a moment or an experience that has been meaningful for you in your teaching that you'd like to share? Cats are all looking at me now. <laughs> uh, there's um, Peggy does the most of the teaching, so I come in with um, the scripture, and then I'll speak a little bit too about what this passage says. But I I kind of am the sergeant at arms also. But when nobody's looking, I get to be the goofy one too. So. It wasn't, uh, I guess it was around the holidays because that was the tune, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that stuck in my mind. So uh, I think Gemma and Lucy and, and probably Calvin were there and we wrote a little song. So <laughs> there's these fun, silly moments that I get to be a kid with them. And so I, I wrote a little song for them that we sang. And I think what was so funny about it was Lucy says, Will you sing that to my mom and dad? So I had to sing it to mom and dad when they came and picked her up. But I think all of this is this is all so much together in that you have these 
kiddos with clean slates, a, a, a clean canvas. And for those of us who didn't grow up like that, you have this great opportunity to put truth right there on that page. Mm -hmm. Something they may or may not get at home. Now, actually, in this body, we see a lot of, a lot of good teaching that comes from home. But you get to write some things on there that they may not know. And then where they're, like, we're passed on. We had Nolan and Alex before you guys do. So we get to pass this on, and we get to see them continue to grow. And then we get new, fresh faces, and we get to start again. So just a pleasure. That's sweet. Anything else? Well, um, this idea of being a person that maybe isn't always recognized is actually one that I think uh, the Bible alludes to. Uh, I think of the story of Abraham and Isaac. Anybody that's been in church for a period of time has heard the story of God asking Abraham to offer his son Isaac. But you read this in the middle of the story. It says, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. Well, watching a donkey doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, but yet, Abraham needed some people to do one thing so that he could do the thing that God was asking him to do. And then later on we read, So Abraham returned to his young men. They arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. So, when's the last time you heard a message about the young men watching a donkey? You know, we don't hear that. And yet, God was using them to make this other thing happen. Uh, or how about this? And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. That's Luke 5.18. Well, you know the story. These friends take their lame friend to lay him on the roof and then down through the roof to Jesus, put him in a position to where he could be healed by Jesus. We don't know the names of those people. And yet, how important are they to the story? Uh, now, this is not just in church, but this is to every teacher that's out there, every other person who's serving others, that God has got you saying yes to the Spirit in, in loving somebody, and God may use that in such a powerful way that you're not up on a stage all the time. You may not be up in front of people, but God is using that. Or here's another one. Um, Onesiphorus, who was a friend of Paul. And it says this, May God grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, and was not ashamed of my chains, but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day, and you know well all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Well, most of us have never, you know, we may have heard the name, but how important he was to Paul, that he was loyal to him in friendship, that he went out of his way to find Paul, and to encourage him. It's as if Paul is saying, where would I be without him? 
who was the guy behind the scenes that was encouraging me, that was loving me, that was loyal to me. And hopefully you all have somebody like that in your life. But, you know, here's Big O doing that for Paul. And uh, how cool that is that he's not the shiny guy in front speaking to people, but he played such an important part. Elsewhere, Paul wrote, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Okay, so here's these guys, all those behind the scenes, connection point, okay? You know, being the kind of first responders, the first touch, the first impression of people when they walk in. Indispensable. Greater honor. Those are the names that God gives to those people. Um, I think that's very important to remember. And I think when we're asking you to, you know, consider being part of such a team, uh, you know, this is not, you know, this is not a position that is going to be up front, but it doesn't mean it's any less valuable. Um, so, Joel, I'd like for you to maybe talk for a minute or two about the importance of teaching itself, particularly as it relates to Sunday school and teaching kids, because I think the Bible has a lot to say about that, doesn't it? Yes, it does, and uh, it's a big topic. And, you know, we have five kids, as I mentioned earlier, and, and you know, it, it, there's, a, there's a high calling here to teach our kids in the next generation. And it isn't just only for parents, by the way. I really view this as being something as a church like this. It really extends to the whole body, that there's a call. You know, I, I, I was thinking as we were preparing for this, you know, back to, to my youth, and I remember very vividly, like Nick remembers his Sunday school teacher. I remember my Sunday school teacher by name, you know, Miss Nadine. And I remember going in, walking down the little hall, going into the miniature chairs, you know, and getting in there. <laughs> and she'd lead us, and, and we'd sing and do different things and have a Bible story. And those things, you know, I remember, uh, you know, the, very vividly. And they it helped plant seeds, you know, in a foundation, uh, and, you know, you, you think back in Scripture, and there are these calls that you hear to a very broad group. In this case, if we were to look at, like, Deuteronomy 6, for example, we have Israel, where Moses is there speaking on behalf of the Lord, having given them the law and the testimony. He says in Deuteronomy 6, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, which, by the way, Jesus said is the most important command, remember. So a very cool statement. And then he goes on and says, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Now, obviously, this is to Israel, but I think there's a principle here, right, that we can extend to to us here in the church to say, look, we need to take all the opportunities that we're given when we're lying down, when we're rising up, we're walk by the way, when we gather on a Sunday, when we got kids back and down the hall, 
take those opportunities to teach them about the Lord and his love and his words and his commandments and his testimonies and about his son and all these awesome things. Uh, and, you know, many times, you know, the people that actually do that, you may not even know their names, but they were people that, that you guys have, have in, your, in, your, in your memory of folks that sat down, maybe sometime planted a seed. I was talking to my wife after the first service. She came from an unbelieving, you know, uh, just un, non-Christian family. Her parents weren't believers. And, and uh, to, to have, you know, she went to a couple VBS events. She went to us, was invited to a Sunday school a couple times. And she remembers the, just the very beginnings of little seeds being planted. And so sometimes there are people that, you, you know, that like Kevin said, there might be almost, you know, they're not recognized in being up front. And yet they're out on a, on a type of mission field. I, I view it as this because, you know, we oftentimes, you know, raise money or, you know, adopt a, a child in a, a foreign land that may be in great need. And we do these things, and I'm, I'm all for it. It's a, it's a neat thing to do because it shows the Lord's love and care for others. Those that are maybe impoverished, those that don't have a, a pillow to lay their head down on, um, don't have enough food, and, and they have great needs, right? And the way I view it here, though, too, is that we've got a mission field right here. Uh, our kids that walk through this, this, these doors and down these halls, they, they face a different type of poverty in my mind. It's maybe not a poverty of not having a home or a roof over their heads, but it's a type of spiritual poverty in our culture. And so there's a, there's a darkness out there that, uh, that they face, and the world keeps trying to conform our children and the next generation to its mold. You know, Romans 12.2 talks about do not be conformed to the world. That word is a is a conforming from the outside, pressing into a mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that transformer, it's from the inside out. And so, you know, you look at this and you say, the world's never going to stop working on these kids. And when we take a back seat, the world just steps right in there to fill in those blanks. But, you know, we see these calls like we read in Deuteronomy 6. And the, the awesome thing in my mind, what I've heard some stories here as we've talked to the teachers, is there are these moments the Lord gives to teach kids, right, in the next generation. And if you look in the scriptures, there's a couple cool passages. One, one is actually later on in the very same chapter of Deuteronomy where the Lord's saying, look, I want you to set up memorials and I want you to have these things because... I want you to make sure that that next generation that you're working to teach them. So in Deuteronomy 6.20, talking about the law and the testimony, he says, when your sons ask you in times to come saying, what did the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt and the Lord brought us up from Egypt with a mighty hand. So this is a time where he's in, you, you be ready to give an answer. The kids are going to ask these questions, like the salvation question Peggy mentioned just, just this morning. I, I wasn't, even, wasn't even part of the lesson, but I, I'm ready to give an answer there, right? If you go forward into Exodus 12 and the story when they actually celebrate the Passover, they're commemorating the Passover, and you remember the Passover where they had put the blood on the doorposts, and the Lord says, you're going to do this as a perpetual thing from generation to generation. You say, well, Why? Well, one of the reasons it says in 1226 of Exodus, and when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? You shall say, 
It is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our home. So being able to recollect a great, awesome work that the Lord did and share that when they have a question. And then the other one I always remember, if you recall, Joshua leading the Israelites across the Jordan River when they finally get there after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. The priests enter in with the Ark of the Covenant and the waters you know, part, and the Lord may, allows them to cross, and then he gives them this command. He says, I want one from each of the 12 tribes to go in there, take a stone and bring it out and stack it up on the edge of the river. And you'd say, well, what's going on here with this kind of thing? He gives an answer. He says, because when your children ask, this is Joshua 4.21, when your children ask their fathers in times to come saying, what are these stones? Then you shall inform your children saying, Israel crossed this Jordan, this river right here that you see before you. There'll be flow. I just can picture a child asking, and there, there's the river. And this exact river parted. And we crossed on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before, before us until we had crossed, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. And these are these teachable moments, these times where kids will have questions. And we as parents, I believe, and teachers and grandparents and church members, I think it behooves us to heed these sort of these admonitions in the scripture and say, look, there's a great call here for us to be diligent with what we're doing with the kids. Uh, I liked one of the Psalms that, that, that Asaph wrote. He says, speaking about God's word, he says, we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. You get that? He's heard it from his dad. And he says, we will not conceal them, the words of the Lord, from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, which we just read about in Deuteronomy 6 that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And, you know, you, you look at these, these statements and you, you think through it, the, the calling here and the, the people that do this, it's just I'm so thankful for these folks we have up here and those that are back right now with our kids and some of you guys that have served in this capacity before because it's critical. You know, I was thinking as, as Andy was talking about his song, there are these little moments that come and, and we at our house, we'll do things. You know, sometimes I'll do the man from a distant land every once in a while and dress up as, as a Moses or something. And, and now Brandon himself will put on a, an old man mask and he'll come as Moses every once in a while. But, but we do things like that. And I remember one night we had a song event erupt where we were, it was probably a decade ago now. But anyway, years go by fast. But we were reading about when Saul and Jonathan died on, the Mount, on Mount Gilboa in a battle against the Philistines and David you know, is hit by the news, and he writes a song, uh, and it says, it gives you the words of the song, but doesn't have the melody, and for whatever reason, 
I, we just decided we're making a song tonight, and we've made a song, and we still keep the song going every once in a while. Remember that old How the Mighty Have Fallen song? You know, How the Mighty Have Fallen. You know, and we, 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 we start singing the song, and, and so you have those moments like that where you'll have a question or a comment or, or something in a story, and, and I think the Lord uses that to plant these awesome seeds, uh, and I think it behooves us to, to do our best to to heed them because the last thing I you know I'll mention is that while we have those moments and the this great call I believe as a church with the incoming generation to teach them especially given our darkened world outside we also read this in in judges actually at the end of Joshua's life uh, if you recall Joshua's led them into the land they've allotted the, the tribal territories They've all gathered, they've put up you know, a monument or a thing on, a, on an oak tree, a commitment statement that we will follow the Lord and, and all these cool things. But then you get to find out a little bit about what happened afterwards. It says in Judges 2, 7, the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. So these are people that were there with Joshua. They saw the works firsthand. They saw these great awesome deeds but then it goes on then joshua the son of nun the servant of the lord died at the age of 110 and they buried him in the territory of his, of his inheritance in timnath Herez, in the hill country of ephraim north of mount gaish and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers so they've that whole generation went to be went on to their fathers and then it says this though and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. And that's always stood in my mind as a great warning because it's a, it's a sign, if you know the book of Judges, it sort of spirals downhill chapter after chapter. And really it began at the bedrock of what we're talking about right here. Did they do faithfully, diligently, you know, trying to pass these things on? Obviously there, there, there was a struggle. And, you know, it's never too late, though, by the way, to, to reach out and begin working in this area. That's one thing I want to make sure to state is we, we some, Kevin mentioned it earlier in the first service. Sometimes you read that and you think, well, it's, it's too late. You know, we, we've missed our opportunity for, for myself or others or those around us. But, you know, there's one other psalm I'll read in 71:17. It says, oh, God, you have taught me from my youth. And I still declare your wondrous deeds. And, and even when I am old and gray, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. So there's a call that even when you're old and gray, still you know, laying out the truth before the next generation to come and telling of the Lord. So, But yeah, there's, there's this sense that we have a high calling, number one. The scripture puts it out there. And there's, there's a, a danger when we, don't, when we don't fulfill this, that we've got kids that I think as the world gets darker around us and the pressures come, I see it with my kids on a daily basis. I'm having, we're talking about things and the older they get, the deeper these conversations go in interesting directions as they have very, the, the questions just get deeper and deeper with, you know, interesting thought that they're hearing from the world. And so anyway, those are just some thoughts I wanted to pass on. But I, I love these, the, the, the call we have, and I'm just so thankful for, for all these folks that are so diligent to help with our kids. And 
excited as we see these kids grow up. You know, I've, I've, three of my older ones have already come through these age groups, and I'm just so thankful for, for people like this, like Miss Nadine uh, and others that have, that have come before us that have done mm -hmm. their, they, they did a good job, you know, passing the baton. And I think these folks are excellent examples of those that are mm -hmm. passing that baton. So. And where can you make this kind of an investment and have the dividends, uh, the eternal rewards of a kid shaping a worldview to really face life? I mean, give me anything else that you can do that has a greater reward than that. That's, that's pretty, pretty cool. So I make no apology in challenging you to consider about being involved in making an investment like that and uh, becoming a teacher, uh, working with the Connection Point. You can go on our website, you can click on the tabs uh, Serving, and you'll then have the opportunity to connect with the Connection Point or uh, Children's Ministry. You can fill out the brief form and you'll have somebody contact you. So we'd like to see this um, goal of having dedicated teachers full-time come to you know complete fruition there and uh, and then also with a connection point because they need some people there as well Lord did you have anything you wanted to add to any of that um, as we I said earlier and this is our ultimate goal to have long-term teachers for weeks on week after week but we have had some amazing teaching teams, still have them, teaching teams that have taught for over a decade. I'm thinking of Ashley and Brett Wubinaw, uh, Bonnie and J um, Jason Otwell, Marcia Harrell, and that too is a beautiful testament to a dedication. They, they may not be able to be in there every week, but they have been there steadily for years. And um, so we have that support on children's department as well. And the other thing is, Sometimes I think we have to consider that doing something occasionally is actually harder than to do something habitually. Um, I think when you apply something as a habit, um, it actually becomes almost second nature. And occasionality is sometimes you have to stop and you think and you're kind of dreading it. And you're, so that's just a thought that wrap it up. Thank you. And thank you for all your work. Thank you. Sure appreciate thank you. you. Thank you. Amazing all right. answers. Yeah. Hey, let's give these guys a hand, will you, that are dedicating themselves to teach their kids. <laughs> Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your people and to hear these stories, to hear the testimonies of how your word is making a difference in people's lives. I pray that this church will always be dedicated uh, to teaching your word faithfully and uh, that you will continue to do a good work because of it. We love you and thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.